Hey, can I ask you a question? I have a question. Can I ask you something? This is a big question. But not too big of a question. It's a question about God. It's about Jesus. Maybe it's more about the Bible. Do you, do you read the Bible? So my question is really not for me. Yeah, it's for my friend. No, they go to a different church, like a long ways away. It's my lab partner's little brother. Whose wife is my dog walker. It's this guy at work, but in a different department. It's really my, my dog's uncle's brother. Just to be clear. I'm just asking for a friend. Just asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Just asking for a friend. Do, do dogs even have uncles? Welcome everybody. Today's sermon topic is do dogs have uncles? <laughs> no, it is not. We're not doing that question, but so Glad you're here today. Welcome to Westwood, to those online, Bush Lake, West Tonka, and here in the room. If we haven't met, my name is Ben Rosenbush. I serve here as the creative pastor. And we are wrapping up, as Clint said, the Asking for a Friend series. I hope that you have felt encouraged to grow, challenged in your faith to keep going. I think it's something that I'm proud of is our, our community, that we as followers of Jesus, we're not gonna wanna shy away from hard questions. Let's go right into them with humility, with boldness, knowing that God leads us through by his grace, right? It's okay to ask hard questions as a Christian. It's a good thing. And a word to those who might be new to the faith. Keep going. A lot of times when you're new at faith and you hit one of those hard questions, that could tap you out pretty quick. I've seen it happen. But know that you're in community, that this is a part of it. Being a Christian, this is hard. It's hard work, but it's good work. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 4.18. It says, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter until the full of day. It gets better, it gets brighter, even as it might get tougher, okay? So hang in on there, it's good. And this is the path that we've been walking together in asking for a friend. And this is the question we are doing today. How do I resist temptation? Now, obviously I got slated for my expertise in this area. <laughs> I thought I'd share the great wisdom that I've learned of how, no, I struggle too. This is the great unifier for us all. We have all experienced this. <laughs> this brings us to the foot of the cross together, right? And uh, just to say, bless you guys for asking this question, right? Because these questions here were the top results of the survey that we sent out. What are the questions of faith that you're asking? And this was on there. That is so cool. Our community's asking this discipleship-oriented question, how do I resist temptation? And I'd just like to start off by saying we should be encouraged that that question's in us. Already the work of God is in us if we are asking that question authentically. If we're saying, God, how do I resist temptation? Our hearts are already leaning in the direction of repentance. That's a good thing. God's gonna meet us there and he's gonna help us do that work. But this question, I tell you what, we feel it. We feel it because we live it. 
and we don't always know where to turn. And this is something because we're broken. Anybody else out there resonate with that? The sense of being broken? We are tempted to turn away from God time and time again. We know within our spirits there's something better. There's this thing called abundant life, but we don't choose it, right? And we're in good company because the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he said this himself. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Any amens out there? <laughs> That's me, right? This is the picture of conflict within us, and the spiritual giant had it too, okay? And if we're honest, we, we sense that tension. We live this all the time. Moment of vulnerability, our family, my family is a really great example of this. Here's, here's a uh, picture, myself included. And then my wife, Jackie, Fia Meta, my daughter, Wilder, my son. This is a picture of us in uh, Pittsburgh. Not pictured here is my dog, Taz. The beautiful beast, Taz. Yes, there he is. He lives this all the time too, okay? For some reason, he's got this temptation within him to escape the backyard and go to eat the neighbor's bird seed. I don't get it. And every time he does, he gets sick, throws up, it's a mess, okay? And the back gate always gets open because my kids, but every time that gate's open, he's out for the bird seed, right? He's doing what <laughs> is bred within him to do, apparently. My son Wilder is somewhat better. He's four years old, right? And he has this temptation to maliciously annoy his older sister. Uh, right? Even though he's been warned time and time again, look, you're going to get a consequence, buddy. That bug is going into the beautiful ponytail of my daughter, right? It's going to happen time and time again. My wife, she almost snapped the other day. She had a moment. It was so great. She said, Wilder, today is a day of mercy, but there shall come a day of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> She said that. That's a, that's a verbatim quote. And you know it's bad when mama starts talking like an Old Testament prophet, right? <laughs> Something's going to go down. Something's going down. <laughs> and those are some lighthearted examples, but I'm no better too. If I am vulnerable with you, I have struggled with the temptation to worry like never before. Right now in my life. I don't really know why or where it's come from. But... That's my recent temptation. And that may, to some, if you don't struggle with that, that may seem like a more low-grade temptation, but if you know what I'm talking about, it can be debilitating. It's an attack on your very faith. That sense within you that God is with you, that God is for you, that temptation to worry attacks that. Okay? And even though inside myself, I know that I can trust God. I know that my faith is in him. He's been faithful to me time and time again. Yet I worry. And so I hold that brokenness and I give that to him. But that brokenness in me and us, it's an echo from the beginning, right? Adam and Eve in the garden of perfectness, 
of shalom, of wholeness, universal flourishing and delight, even they chose away from God. For love to be real, to be what it is, for what God dreamed it to be, love involves freedom. And we've taken that freedom to choose away from God, to choose away from the direction of God. We call this reality our fallen nature. You've heard that term before, yeah? Our fallen nature, we have this bent within us that chooses the path of temptation time and time again. But it's important to realize too, a couple things. The first is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you have said yes to Jesus, this is not a shame moment when you're tempted again and again. Even Paul, he states this right after he says this confession, I do what I don't wanna do, right after that, but there's no condemnation in Christ. Know that. The second thing to just be reminded of is that it's our fallen nature that tempts us, it's not God who tempts us. James talks about this, and James, there's a lot of scriptures in James in this sermon, and we're headed into the book of James uh, coming next Sunday, so come back next Sunday. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, our fallen nature. And here he gives us this pathway for the, what happens when we give in to temptation. After the desire has conceived the temptation, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is the direction in which temptation leads us. Because temptation gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. Being tempted though is not the sin itself, okay? Did you hear me say that? Being tempted is not sin, okay? Even Jesus was tempted and he was without sin. If you're tempted, it just means that you got a pulse. So it means that you're human but it's when we give our will to that temptation, when we buy into the direction of that. That's when sin is born and then now the way of death is born and we do that time and time again. So, is there any hope? Can we actually change? That question right there, can we actually change? Can I actually change? Might be very tender on your own heart today. I just wanna acknowledge that. This is the pathway that the Spirit gives us. And I believe that yes, in Christ, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we can change. We can change. And this is the pathway that I'd like to offer for us today. It's in the scriptures, James again. Submit yourselves then to God. That's the first step. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Simple yet very complex. This is the pathway that the Spirit will lead us on. And it's these two pieces of submitting and resisting. This first step, submitting, as we do that, the Spirit empowers us to be those who are able to resist. So this is the good news. There is a path. Both steps, submitting and resisting, are actions of the heart. And I believe they're best 
facilitated within the spiritual practices, the spiritual disciplines, which we'll explore a bit later as well. They both involve action, but they're more than just doing something because submitting and resisting are less about doing something, the practices, and more about becoming someone. The aim of these practices, the thing that God wants to do within you, Okay, these spiritual practices are tools that form us into the kind of people who resist temptation by his grace because the practices put us in his presence. They place our souls before him so that we find that the way out and the way forward is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. This is how we resist temptation. So let's look together at this path. And we're going to begin with the end in mind, resisting and what that means. And then we'll back up and look at submitting of how we get there through that portal. Okay. So we're looking at resisting. How do we resist? First of all, we have to realize that we are always being formed. As people, we are constantly being formed each and every moment. This is by the things in your life, the things that you think, the people that are in your life, the temptations you encounter, the stuff that you digest, Netflix, social media, the Bible, good and bad relationships, all of it is conspiring to form you. Everything is forming you. So the Apostle Paul again, he invites us, encourages us to be active agents in our own formation. This is what it says in Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, submitting. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, resisting. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. I keep forgetting that part of the verse. I want to walk away. (laughs) Renewing of your mind is where this is going. If we talk about what renewing of your mind looks like when we think on even a biological level, that's neuroplasticity. You've probably heard that word before, right? Here's a simple definition. The capacity of the brain to develop and change by reorganizing or forming new neural connections. What does this mean? It means that our brains can be rewired. We can actually change in here. We can groove new things into our brain through habits of thought, through habits of practice. And the spirit does this not just in an organ, but in our whole being. Our spirits can change. Okay, our souls can be changed and transformed. If Paul knew this word neuroplasticity, he might have included it in Romans, I don't know. But (laughs) renewing every mind is like divinely inspired neuroplasticity, right? This is what we're called to, this new intentional development that the spirit does within us to be, and get this, to be transformed into people who love God more than we love the sin we're tempted by. This is what God wants to do in us. Being transformed by the Spirit changes who you are by changing what and who you love. This is because the affections of our hearts form the direction of our lives. 
Your love forms the direction. The affections of your heart form the direction of your life. God wants to shape your affections in the direction of his abundant life. I'm gonna tell you a story that really, uh, I I feel, demonstrates this. It's a story from Greek mythology. Jason and the Argonauts, have you read it recently? Probably not. But this story was written like long time ago, 300 years even before Christ was born to us, and I think it really shows this duel between affections for us. Okay, now imagine this with me. Play the movie in your mind as I say this. Jason, the captain of the ship called Argo, and his Argonauts and the crew, they are on a great quest through many a death-defying adventure. They've persevered through many trials, many tribulations. But then they come to this moment, this encounter with this foe called the Sirens. You familiar with them? The Sirens are these beautiful women depicted uh, that are also bird-like, and they sing this irresistible, enchanting song that lures sailors away from their course and toward these mooring rocks from which they sing, and the ship hits those rocks, and they go to their death. Time and time again, ships fall prey to their song. So this is what they encounter on their quest. Now, Jason and the Argonauts, they hear this song, but there is someone aboard the ship who intervenes. Orpheus, the bard, the musical poet who plays a lyre, kind of like a guitar thing. He is aboard the ship. The myths have it that when he would play his music, everyone would be enraptured, totally tuned in. Even the rock or the trees and the rivers would stop their motion to hear Orpheus play. So in the middle of the siren song, in the middle of this crazy moment in which the ship is turning toward this temptation, Orpheus begins to play his lyre and his beautiful music plays and begins to turn the ship back on course, back on course toward life. Orpheus played a more beautiful music than the sirens could play. Are you getting the picture? Herein is how the Holy Spirit interacts inside our life. The Holy Spirit that abides within you, if you've said yes to Jesus, is playing a more beautiful music if we listen. To stir our affections in the direction of God. Here's how it plays out in scripture. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God, the Holy Spirit, who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The Spirit is in you playing a more beautiful music. Paul writes in Romans as well. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture, if you don't know. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. I mean, come on. This is the good news right here. 
that Christ, the resurrected Christ, is in you already. Playing a more beautiful music. And if he is in us, then we can be transformed to be those who are like him because of him and through him. We are able to resist temptation when we allow God to transform our affections in his direction. Therefore, resisting temptation, again, is about becoming someone by turning to someone, the Holy Spirit. We become someone in him as we turn to him. Now, this happens as we submit to God. We have to take our will toward him and submit it in his presence. So submitting and resisting. That's the picture of what resisting looks like, becoming someone. How do we get there? We have to submit ourselves to him. To become someone with God-shaped affections, God-formed affections, our will has got to be submitted to him, and we do this by placing ourselves in his presence so that he does that work in us. And I would like to submit to you, this is, I think, best facilitated by the spiritual practices Richard Foster says it this way, and I love this quote, God has given us the disciplines of spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. I'm just gonna read that second part again. The disciplines, prayer, fasting, allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. Are you seeing how this is working? When we place ourselves before God, we're finding a facilitated opportunity to submit our will to him. As we do, we experience an exchange of loves. We do not love sin as much as we love God and our affections begin to change and shape in that direction. And the Spirit gives us life through that process. So the way out and the way forward is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us as we participate in these practices and set ourselves before him. It's there that we can ask this question, what are my sirens? What are the tapes that are playing in my head, the soundtracks that I'm listening to time and time again, the temptations that sway me away from what is abundant life? It's in God's presence that those can be revealed to us, and it's in God's presence that we can hear a new music, the sound of his voice calling you into the person that he's called you to be your identity as a son and daughter of God. Someone who resists temptation. My daughter, Fia, she drew this picture. I'll put it on the screen. <laughs> she knew nothing about what I was talking about today. But she told me about it yesterday and I had to include it. This heart is the love between her and Jesus this is her and Jesus standing there. And this is the love between them. And when she described this to me, she said, Papa, the love between Jesus and I is squishing out the darkness of sin. And I said, how would you feel about preaching tomorrow? 
And she said no, but she said I could share this picture. The love, the affection between you and Jesus is what squishes down the darkness of sin. We're called to live this picture. And we're called in a unique way, each person's got a unique way that you and Jesus might squish. <laughs> okay? There's a unique practice that I think the Spirit will invite you to apply so that you are formed away from your temptation and formed away, formed toward God, right? And this is what this might look like. Just, I'm gonna kind of say a bunch of different things that we might be tempted by and offer a practice that might couple with that. If you're tempted by sexual lust, practice fasting. You will learn to starve the flesh, feed the spirit. You'll hunger after God and you will stop hungering more and more after what does not fulfill you. Lust will never fulfill. It only forms you to want more wanting. Fasting connects you with what fulfills, paradoxically, by the power and the presence of the Spirit within you. If you're tempted by an envious heart, I want to encourage you, practice gratitude. Gratitude reveals abundance. Speak out the things you're grateful for. In private, in public, speak gratitude and discover joy by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. If you're tempted by greed, practice simplicity. Embrace that way that fosters contentment with what you have. Commit to simplicity and your will will be transformed so that you don't want what you don't need. What if we were a people who didn't want what we don't need by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? If you're tempted by pride, practice community. Don't worry about it. People around you who love you, they're going to speak truth to you. Okay? They'll set you on a level ground. If we're prideful, we simply lack awareness. We aren't seeing right. We don't see fully. Be vulnerable within community by the power and the presence of the Spirit in you. If you're tempted by anger, this one speaks to me. As a young parent, practice prayer. There's life and death in your words. Pause, pray, then proceed. Pause, pray. In that very moment, right, right then, then proceed. Let your words, your presence, and action be life-giving, loving, not destructing, destructive. Control your tongue by the power and the presence of the Spirit within you. If you're tempted by worry like I am in this season of my life, practice reading and memorizing scripture. Get the word of God in you. Let it saturate your synapses. Faith, hope, and trust will begin to grow in your life in surprising ways by the power and the presence of the spirit in you. There's a spiritual practice that, we're, that will facilitate your becoming like him. That will facilitate your affections being shaped in the direction of God. 
It will help your unique way to squish down that darkness <laughs> by his power and presence. And as we close, I want to just invite you into a moment of reflection. And you might already be there just by reading that list. One might have really pr- pricked your heart. Again, there's no shame in here. There's only a call to grow. There's a promise to grow. I want to leave you with this prayer from King David. He prays this in Psalm 139. I want to encourage you to take this with you each day. Pray this prayer that you might have an experience of what is tempting you is revealed, your own heart revealed in the presence of God so that he might lead you in the way of everlasting. I want to invite us to pray this prayer aloud with one strong voice together, okay? Here we go. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Isn't that beautiful? Offensive way within me. This can be translated as way of pain. That brokenness that's within us that you know really well, that others might not know. Search me, God. See it. See if there's a way of pain that I can't even see myself. I submit to you. Help me and lead me in the way of everlasting to resist and to follow you. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer this week and watch God begin to work and do that within community. We don't do this alone. We can encourage each other on this path. This is about becoming a disciple. I want to pray, and so I want to invite you to open your hands as we close. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to work. God, we thank you for who you are. You are the risen Christ. You have defeated sin. You alone have resisted temptation, God, when we cannot. And I pray if there's shame in the room, God, that you would heal that. That you would remind us that your love never changes no matter what. No matter what we've done. God, I pray too that we would hear your voice, that sweet music of your voice, that you would shape the affections of our heart in the direction of your life. God, that you would give us the grace to submit to you and the grace to resist temptation and watch that stuff flee and watch life grow in us. God, reveal to us, God, what what is that invitation, that spiritual practice even that you might be inviting us into? Help us to say yes. God, so that we might become who you've called us to become. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.